Hi there, folks. The United States is often called the home of the mega startup. So how will the Biden administration's new labor laws impact the gig economy there? I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. And it is so good to be with you wherever you are joining us from. Also on Ticker Today, Jeff Bezos's plans to introduce cutting-edge AI technology to try to take on Google. But first... We kick it off with Ticker Hotshots and Veronica Dudo is in New York City for us. Veronica, the Biden administration introducing a rule that may have these far-reaching impacts on the gig economy, also contracting practices, the rules proposed by the Department of Labor actually aiming to clarify the classification of workers as employees or independent contractors. Obviously, two sides to the story. What do we know? So this new rule proposal is set to take uh, effect in March. And as you mentioned, that would be the change where a lot of people who are considered freelancers would then be moving into this contractor role. And so this could have wide uh, and far-reaching implications for people in a lot of different types of industries, you know, including healthcare or even drivers now when we're seeing so many people looking to, you know, flag a and set up an Uber or Lyft. So this this will be interesting. Now, the U.S. Commerce, to the U.S. Um, Better Business Bureau says they're looking to potentially, um, you know, make an appeal in terms of what ramifications this could have moving forward, because they're saying that some 30 percent of workers aren't in the correct uh you know, label. Now, this is something too that I know Australia recently put into effect. How are things working? Yeah, it's such a good point. Um, I mean, we had the same debate, right? So the the idea from the employer side is, you know, hang on, this is really hard to live, not getting enough money from this job. Um, you speak to Uber drivers, as we all do, and they all say, oh, it's not my main, my main job. It couldn't be my main job. I'm not making enough money out of it at a time where we as the passengers are saying, Uber's gotten really expensive. How on earth did that happen? Um, but what's been interesting is we've had some of the larger supermarket chains here say, well, actually, um, this is really bad because so many employees want flexibility. They have children. They don't want to be forced to be full-time. They don't want to have their hours changed for some rudimentary unionized agreement. Obviously, heading into an election year, the Biden administration needs to find a way to keep the people on its side, as in the unions happy. We've seen him uh, take a stand. Uh, at Detroit for the car manufacturers union as well. Um, the issue is you don't want to kill the golden goose and United States's golden goose is the fact it is full of entrepreneurs. What do you think? Now, that's a really great point. You know, will this stifle business and startups and things moving forward if the overhead is just too much? Uh, you know, this is also coming on a time where the World Bank has just released an economic outlook very stark saying, you know, for the rest of the uh, decade, it's going to be the worst growth that we've seen in 30 years. So trying not to be too negative, it's, it's definitely not making things easier. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's move on to our next story. An underground industry is facilitating the journey of migrants escaping China in search of a new life in the United States, referred to as the walking route. This covert network of guides, safe houses and secret pathways operate in the shadows, navigating the terrain of international borders. I understand, Veronica, they start in Ecuador. Uh, many of them are Chinese and they're looking for a better life and using or being used by these guides as a way to get into the United States. 
So this has been going on, um, but a reporter did go down and with obviously cameras uh, show a lot of this. And so it is so fascinating because this is basically another travel industry. As long as these Chinese migrants are fly into Ecuador or another neighboring country and make their way to Ecuador, they are actually able to purchase packages that range you know, from 9,000 and up. You can stay in Airbnbs, you'll have a tour guide, cars will pick you up, they'll show you every step of the way. They'll also tell you how much cash to have because you will be held up at some point um, you know, by obviously bad actors. And this is what a lot of lawmakers are saying. We don't know who's coming into the United States. It's almost a farce now that it's it's a whole second tier of tourism. So it definitely is a major issue. And, you know, for the safety of everybody involved, definitely uh, needs to be looked at. <laughs> All I can think of is the um, terrible experience it is at arriving at a U.S. airport as a foreign national trying to get through the US. I mean, I could write a book about my hilarious experiences, particularly uh, when you accidentally mention you're a journalist, always goes down a treat. Um, it was a huge issue in Australia back, um, particularly at the end of the 1990s and then into the thousands under the John Howard uh, prime ministership uh, of stop the boats, illegal immigrants. Um, asylum seekers who were essentially paying quite often in Sri Lanka, uh, people, uh, and they became known as the boat people who were making the treacherous journey to the top of the nation. And um, there was a lot of criticism. It was a, a huge thing. The UN got involved. Um, other countries watched angrily. Um, there were questions about human rights. But as you say, um, and as the prime minister said, we will determine who comes to the country and the circumstances to which they arrive. The issue is Australia is an island. The United States is not. So we're definitely seeing this, you know, in terms of people walking across the northern and southern borders. And uh, it's something that, you know, we keep hearing lawmakers yeah. touting that they want to do something, but it doesn't really seem to be at the top of the list. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we'll be talking about this one a lot more. Veronica, appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Great. Take care. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has urged Israeli leaders to avoid harming civilians as it presses its war against Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Blinken also told them that the creation of a Palestinian state was key to a long-term solution. But it also is vital that Israel achieved its objective of eradicating the threat from Hamas. Even as he spoke, though, intense fighting gripped the south and central parts of Gaza. International concern has mounted over the huge Palestinian death toll from the Israeli assault on the densely populated enclave, as well as a humanitarian crisis affecting hundreds of thousands of people. Well, is AI transitioning from artificial to something even more personal? Amazon founder Jeff Bezos has plans to introduce cutting edge AI tech algorithms to provide users with a more intuitive and personalized search experience. For more on the topic, we're joined by Dr. Karen Sutherland from the University of the Sunshine Coast. Great to see you, first time of the year as well. Um, what is this idea from Jeff Bezos? Well, it's, it's a startup called Perplexity. So it actually changes sort of the way that you use a search engine. So for example, with Google, it's just when you um, you put in your search terms, it'll it'll serve you a list of links of the what it deems the most relevant and popular websites. However, with Perplexity, it's more like um, curation. So it will answer your question with uh, sources but from information from a range of websites. So it will then uh, present you with a formulated answer so you don't have to go and 
search all of all through those websites to actually find the answer yourself. I, I did have a try last night. It was quite interesting. Um, yeah, I actually looked up. And, and what did you think? Tell me about what you think. What, what, what was the result? So, well, what I did is I looked up what because it was I was hungry. Um, lowest calorie Indian dishes, vegetarian <laughs> dishes, and it came up with a whole list of like a ranking of what those dishes are, and then. Underneath, there were options where you could actually link through to get the recipes for those. So they actually gave me a well-formulated answer. Rather than going to someone's blog or something like that, it actually pulled the information from a range of websites and presented it. So it was actually really, really good. And I could see there'll be a lot of uh, great uses for that. So it's more a curator than an aggregator like Google is. Well, that's what I was about to ask, the difference between, I guess, uh, the, the AI differentiation from it to Google. You're saying is that Google essentially is a curator. Give us, give us an idea of what the, the main difference will well, be. Well, Google's more an aggregator. Right, so aggregator, yeah. We'll bring together a list of websites, but with this, with uh, Perplexity, is actually pulling information from a range of websites to give you a well-defined answer. So it's saying it's a more accurate way, more intuitive and user-friendly way to actually get the information that you want in a faster way. Yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? Google seems like it is the the point that everybody compares itself to, right? So what do you think the impact of an initiative like this will have on the broader tech industry as well as competition with Google? Will Google have to up its game? We remember when ChatGPT became a big thing last year, investors were panicked about Google and Google had to come up with something. Well, I think Google will try and sort of make up its own technology to uh, be in competition with this because uh, they will need to become more intuitive because, you know, honestly, when you're searching for something on Google, it can take a long time to trawl through all those websites to find what you want. But if you can actually find the a, a well-defined answer with all the information that you need in just one, um, using one question rather than a million search terms, I think, yeah, they, they will have to do something to up their game. All right, let's talk about another issue, Volkswagen. Um, how does ChatGPT integration enhance the driving experience for car owners? It sounds like a, a really weird one. What on earth has ChatGPT got to do with driving a car? Exactly. So, uh, well, Volkswagen announced just recently that as of uh, the second quarter of this year, just in North America and Europe, it's adding ChatGPT into its sort of advanced voice um, service into all its vehicles, its new vehicles. So it means like the examples that they gave were things like, okay, you're driving and you're like, I feel cold, it's too cold in here, and that will prompt it to actually um, turn the heat up for you. Or you could be driving and because there's all that sort of GPS and everything, you could say, where's the best uh, Italian restaurant in this area? And based on uh, things like uh, reviews and things like that, it could actually take you to that. I feel like there is just this massive rush at the moment from different companies trying to link themselves with AI. And this feels like one of the more desperate attempts, I've got to say. I mean, the idea of it feels a bit cold in here and then ChatGPT tells the car, (laughs) let's make it warm. I think any of us who've had experience with ChatGPT, at this stage, it is not ready to control your vehicle. Right, absolutely. And what I think is, you know, because they're rushing, you know what happens at what, with technology, uh, you don't know what's going to go wrong. Yeah, well, ask, ask Boeing about the 737 MAX. That went really well. Yeah, well, that's, let's not go there, hey? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the point is, is that um, you, you really have to make sure in this technological world, and we're talking about AI, that um, you have to make it really simple and you have to make it work, right? Otherwise, the process will confuse people. I mean, I, I still love the story yeah. about, 
BMW who came up with this subscription fee that if you want to warm the seat in your car that you've bought with the technology already in the car, you have to pay a $29 subscription fee each month just so that it will warm your seats. And they thought that that was totally okay. I reckon that beats this one, but still chat GPT in your car. I don't know. We've got to wait and see whether that will work. What do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Volkswagen sort of downplayed any sort of security and privacy <laughs> and safety issues, but they haven't actually... It's not the security and the privacy I'm worried about. <laughs> it's the fact that ChatGPT gets so many things wrong that is what I'm worried about. I yes. don't know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Dr. Karen yeah. Sutherland, always love your insights, of course, from the University of the Sunshine Coast. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thank you. Okay. More ticker right after this. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes.